What do you love about music? To begin with, everything. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. Welcome to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis, the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Cott. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. This week, Jim and I will dig up another batch of buried treasures. We're going to play some new music that deserves more attention. Plus, we'll review the latest from the sibling duo, The Fiery Furnaces. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time for some music news. I can tell you've been hurt by that look on your face, girl. Some guy brought Satan to your happy world. You need love, but you're afraid that if you give in, someone else will come along and suck it to your again. Greg, second only to uh, illegal downloading, or file sharing, as we prefer to call it, Apple has been the biggest force, pretty much, in remaking the music industry and killing the sale of physical CDs, as you know. The company has been trying to make nice with the industry it gutted uh, by uh, agreeing to up the price of uh, hit and hip downloads from 99 cents to $1.29, maybe even more in the, in the years to come. Remaking the pricing structure now comes part two of their make good plan to the traditional major label system. They are talking about expanding the downloads for albums, realizing that iTunes is, is a singles market. You know, people go on and download their favorite song. They would like to go back to the concept of downloading 12 tunes as a package at one time and are planning a sort of mysterious still project that will include interactive, is their word, uh, you know, lyrics, liner notes, pictures, maybe video, extra stuff for you. I stumbled over interactive because I think they misuse that word. Mm. A real interactive piece of music on the computer would be like if I wrote a song and I sent it to you and you were then able to rewrite it or remix it. You know, I mean, clicking on a little picture and seeing other pictures of the band you just downloaded, not really interactive. (laughs) It's just stuff, right? But they want to get back to the idea of downloading an entire set of music at one time, the old traditional album concept, and away from just cherry-picking favorite songs. Mind you, this goes against the entire history of popular music. Back in the day, you know, you fell in love with the Chuck Berry tune in the 50s, you bought a single, a 45, a cheap piece of vinyl plastic. Later on, there were cassette singles. There have always been singles available in some format for people who just want to buy one tune. iTunes has facilitated that to a great degree, Labels hate singles because they don't make as much money as they do from an album. And there's this thing underway, you know, which is it plays into this new device that Apple is uh, planning. I gather it's going to be a sort of tablet-like thing, like their version of a Kindle, recognizing that the uh, iPod is, you know, nearing the end of its lifespan and what's going to come next on the hardware end of things. I think a lot's going to depend on the quality of the music that is put on these albums, Jim. Uh, CD sales have been dropping for 10 years. That's old news. We've been reporting it on Sound Opinions. They're down again this year from 100, from 179 million to 141 million. 
Is it all because people are able to get music for free or want singles, or is it because the quality of the albums in general that the major labels are putting out is going down? I got a letter from the government the other day. I opened and read it. It said they were suckers. They wanted me for their army or whatever. Picture me giving a damn. I said never. Here is a land that never gave a damn about a brother like me and myself because they never did. I wasn't with it, but just that very minute it occurred to me. The suckers had authority. We have been reporting on the proposed merger between Ticketmaster and Live Nation for a number of months now. There were congressional hearings a few months ago. Now a number of these congressmen have stepped forward and uh, petitioned the Justice Department to accelerate its investigation of this potential merger between the two largest entities in the concert touring business. Herb Cole, the senator from Wisconsin, has pleaded with the Justice Department to scrutinize this merger more closely. He has said in a letter, it is clear that this merger raises serious competitive concerns warranting thorough scrutiny. And 50 members of the U.S. House of Representatives, in a letter written by Representative Bill Pascrell, have basically done the same thing. They have also urged the Justice Department to look more closely at this proposed merger. We see little to commend this transaction, said the letter. Competitive harm in the ticketing and other industry markets will result from this deal. One of the things that I like that Cole said, Jim, and it's something that pretty much mirrors what you and I have been saying the last few months, and that is... How is this going to benefit the fans? I mean, right, right. are the fans really going to benefit in any way from this merger? He says, I urge the Justice Department to carefully scrutinize each of these issues under the antitrust laws and only approve the merger should it determine that the transaction is unlikely to lead to higher prices for consumers. Greg, just to remind people, this is sitting in the Justice Department. The merger cannot happen until the government gives its approval. Michael Rapino, the CEO of Live Nation, remains optimistic. He expects a deal by the end of the year. That is Jackson Brown's 1977 hit, Running on Empty, which became the source of controversy, Greg, in the uh, midst of the campaign season when it was used as the soundtrack to a web video for Senator John McCain in his presidential bid. Never quite understood how a song by such a well-known lefty Democrat as Jackson Brown wound up in a Republican presidential contender's commercial, much less, you know, the message. It's about someone at the end of his rope, not necessarily something a healthy, vibrant campaign wants to use. But uh, Brown objected to the fact that it was used in the McCain ad, and he sued. And now there is finally a settlement, according to the Washington Post. There is no detail about how much money changed hands, but the Republican National Committee and the Ohio Republican Party have formally apologized to Jackson Brown while absolving Senator McCain. He apparently did not pick the song himself, didn't come out of his record collection, but they're saying, we're sorry, we didn't mean to trample on any artist's rights. Senator McCain had nothing to do with this. We certainly respect intellectual property. It always astounds me. I mean, how many times, you know, Reagan reaching for a Springsteen song. Do these people ever think, you know, is this artist anywhere in line with what we're trying to say? Do we really want to use his or her music? Well, this sets an interesting precedent, I think, because in the past we've seen uh, political campaigns using these types of songs, you know, and kind of a tone-deaf attempt to reach a certain audience. 
most famously Reagan with Springsteen's Born in the USA. Jackson Brown's attorney said this, what this case means is just because you're running for office doesn't give you the right to use copyrighted works without license or permission. So perhaps what we're going to see in the future is these political campaigns going directly to the artists before they choose to use one of their songs. Certainly seems like a good idea. Professor, what's another word for pirate treasure? Them's my treasure, and I'm a burying them where no one will know where they're at but me. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and uh, we are now about to embark on a segment of the show that we like to do every few months. It's called Buried Treasures. It's Jim and I basically digging through our collections of music that we have accumulated the last few months and coming up with those treasures that have not been exposed widely to the mainstream, the ones that are floating under the radar. Uh, we review a lot of albums on Sound Opinions, as anyone who knows who listens to the show regularly, but we don't always get to everything we like. And this is our chance to sort of catch up with those releases that aren't big news, that aren't mainstream, that aren't getting the national exposure they deserve. But they're, it's great music. It's music we feel does deserve a broader audience, and that's why we do it every few months. So, Jim, what are you going to start our Buried Treasure segment off with? Greg, if you're anything like me, and I know you are, it's a lot of work putting these shows together because at any given time, I have this milk crate on my desk, and it's full of like 200 albums I'm really excited about that haven't been big news. I haven't written about them yet for the newspaper. We haven't talked about them on the radio show, but I love them, and I keep meaning to get to them. And, you know, you begin wading through to come up with your buried treasures picks for these shows, and there's like this this embarrassment of riches. Mm-hmm. But as I was considering uh, my entries for this week, a theme emerged, okay? Today on Sound Opinions, for me... It is Ladies' Night. All <laughs> fascinating records by, by female artists, very diverse styles. I'm going to start out with a woman who grew up in Amarillo, Texas, named Emily Wells. She is the second most famous violinist in hip-hop. Who's the first? This woman, Miri Ben-Ari, came up with Kanye West and, and did a lot of his strings early on. Remember mm-hmm. her? Sure. With her, it was more of a shtick, okay? She was a great violinist, and she'd get on stage with rappers. Okay, big deal. Whereas Emily Wells, I think, as a songwriter and a musician, is really incorporating the hip-hop aesthetic in some very challenging ways into the kind of avant-garde classical music she's making and just kind of gleeful pop. Uh, th- this woman really loves... Sonics, in addition to the violin, which is wonderful, is everything from glockenspiel, an analog synthesizer, to a toy piano <laughs> and ukulele, all of which sounds kind of sticky, except that the songs really, really work. She can cover and pull off Notorious B.I.G.'s Juicy and all of the tracks on her debut album, The Symphonies, Dreams, Memories, and Parties, were really pretty astounding. That came out in 2008. There's a new EP just out called Dirty, which updates those songs and remixes some of them. I think this woman is really poised to break big, and I, I can't get enough of her music. I'm going to play Symphony 9 and the Sunshine by Emily Wells on Sound Opinions. I woke up in the morning and I rang the bell. It's a long way across the wishing well. Throw my pennies in one by one. They come up shining like it's just begun. They come up wishing on the light of the sun. They come up knowing that I got no gun. Well, I'd fire up around if I had it in. But I know someday I'll be a sunshine man Walking around in a kindergarten haze Oh my, what a happy game Tell them that you love them till the end of your days Tell them that you need them in a bad way Oh, how happy is the look in your face When you know somebody and you want them to stay Memory is an old highway If you drive too long 
My first buried treasure this week, Emily Wells' Symphony 9 and the Sunshine on Sound Opinions. Mr. Cott, you're up. Great stuff, Jim. I'm going to go down to Mississippi for my first buried treasure by an artist known as Alan Toussaint. Uh, People may know him as one of the great songwriters and producers uh, out of New Orleans for the last half century. Songs like Fortune Teller, Working in a Coal Mine, A Certain Girl. He wrote those. He produced many of the hits coming out of that city for many years. His studio was washed away by Katrina in 2005, and yet ever since, he's actually been working harder than ever. He's been on the road consistently. He did a collaborative album with uh, Elvis Costello a few years ago, and now he's done an album which has highlighted one of the aspects of his repertoire that people may not necessarily uh, give him credit for, and that is his piano playing. He's a marvelous jazz-steeped piano player. And I think one of the reasons, Jim, that we didn't really address this album earlier is that it is pretty much a jazz record. It's called The Bright Mississippi, and it's essentially an homage to the music that influenced him as a young man growing up in New Orleans. You know, the the great New Orleans artists and artists who were steeped in that style of music, Sidney Bechet, Jelly Roll Morton, Duke Ellington, Django Reinhardt, musicians that influenced him. So he's recording some of their songs in an intimate setting with a really cool band that features players like Nicholas Payton on trumpet and Mark Rebo on guitar, and Joe Henry was the producer. And, and Henry does a great job with kind of these retro projects. If you recall, a few years ago, he produced an album by Solomon Burke, the great soul singer, uh, that was just absolutely marvelous. Get a bunch of good musicians in the room, come up with some cool songs, and have this great voice go at it. And basically, the formula is the same here with Toussaint. Great classic songs with a an intimate band, and Toussaint and his piano at the center of it all. It's primarily an instrumental release. There's one vocal track on it, but it's really the focus here is on Toussaint, the piano player. And I can't think of a better example of that than the title track. The Bright Mississippi is a song by Thelonious Monk, who happens to be my favorite piano player of all time. Toussaint apparently uh, values him a great deal as well. Here it is, Alan Toussaint's The Bright Mississippi on Sound Opinions.
That's Alan Toussaint with the bright Mississippi, one of my buried treasures. We'll be back with more on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. And later on, Jim and I are going to review the new album from indie rock duo The Fiery Furnaces. Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. You are listening to a track called Oh My God by an artist named Ida Maria. That's her stage name. Born Ida Maria Borley Sivertsen in Norway. <laughs> We're doing our Buried Treasure show, digging deep for stuff we've overlooked. Greg, I think this is a real hidden gem that has passed us by, this record by Ida Maria. You and I are both huge fans of PJ Harvey. I think one of the defining artists of the 90s. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for the next wave mm-hmm. of female singers and songwriters who would come forward with those kind of smarts and that kind of passion. Ida Maria is one of them. Finally, at long last, I think we're starting to see the P.J. Harvey influence come out in the wash. This album uh, absolutely blows me away. That single, Oh My God, was a huge hit in the U.K. Should have been one here in the U.S., too, mm-hmm. but it was bubbling under. But really, every track on her album, Fortress Round My Heart, kind of a dumb name, but it probably was more poetic in Norwegian. Every track is extraordinary. I love the entire album, and I'm going to play another pick that I like just as much as Oh My God. I like you so much better... When You're Naked is the name of the song. I'm not talking to you, Greg. By Ida Maria on Sound Opinions.
Ida Maria, one of my buried treasures picks on Ladies' Night here. I like you so much better when you're naked. Greg, you got another one? Well, thank you, Jim. I uh, appreciate the compliment. Um, <laughs> actually, Ida Maria was on my list of artists to see at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. I, too, liked that album quite a bit. And apparently she had some visa issues and was unable to perform at the festival. So uh, looking forward to seeing her at some point. There's only one way to uh, go toe-to-toe with Ida Maria, because she is a force of nature. And that is with the... Uh, band that I'm going to play next, Nebula. Oh, uh, yeah. A band we've talked about on the show before, and it kind of, again, floated away. People forgot about them for about the last decade, but I thought this was one of the best of that stoner rock brigade of bands that emerged in the 90s out of that whole fold of bands that celebrated, you know, wallet chains, shag carpets, you know, the boogie vans. Giant uh, gongs! Exactly. I mean, their, their albums should come out on 8-track cassettes, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's only one way to hear this music. The guitar player in this band is a guy by the name of Eddie Glass. He used to be in a, uh, another one of those purveyors of stoner rock Fu Manchu and uh, Glass went off on his own to form Nebula he's got a drummer that likes to light his gong on fire <laughs> during the show who doesn't I mean they, yeah I mean it's just they're just a lot of fun to see but really what's going on here is just this homage to uh, Deep Purple and uh, Space Truckin' and that whole early 70s vibe that we got out of the crossover between metal, hard rock, and psychedelia. Nebula celebrates that era, updates it, and primarily because of Glass's amazing guitar playing. The track I'm going to play really highlights it. It's called Aphrodite. It's from their new album called Appropriately Enough Heavy Psych on Sound Opinions.
Aphrodite by Nebula on Sound Opinions, one of Greg Cott's uh, buried treasure picks, and it's a fine one. Mr. Cott, I can just smell the flaming <laughs> gong, the lighter fluid. Amazing stuff. Continuing with my Ladies' Night sub-theme of Buried Treasures, I'm going to play the latest by Christine Young. I can't remember if I've talked about her on the show before. I I think I might have. Um, She is a singer, songwriter, and keyboardist from just outside St. Louis. An extraordinary talent who really got her big boost in the U.S. when she was picked up by Morrissey as the opening act. I'm saying she, although Christine Young is also the name of the band. Mm -hmm. There's only two of them. Just like P.J. Harvey is a band and a person, Christine Young, the band, is Christine Young, the person, with baby Jeff White, the drummer. (laughs) One of the things I love about this uh, collaboration is that drummer is an amazing powerhouse. John Bonham talking about flaming gongs, okay? And him backing up her kind of, uh, you know, grand piano, Tori Amos singer-songwriter emotional outpourings really makes for a killer one-two punch. Christine Young has a wicked sense of humor. One of my uh, favorite records that she released a couple of years ago was called Breasticles. It's all about (laughs) female empowerment. She will take a backseat to no one. I love her new disc, music for strippers, hookers, and the odd onlooker. Like the last four, I believe, it was produced by the great Tony Visconti, Mm -hmm. you know, who worked with David Bowie and T-Rex. He's a huge fan of hers. That's where the Morrissey connection came. I'm going to play a song called He's Sickened by My Crude Emotion by Christine Young on Sound Opinions. Sickened by my crude emotion on sound opinions from Christine Young, one of Jim DeRogatis' buried treasures. If you want to make a comment on the air, leave a message on our hotline, 888-859-1800. You can also send us an email at interact at soundopinions.org or talk to us on Facebook. 
We're going to be back in a minute on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media with more buried treasures. Then Jim and I are going to review the new album by the Fiery Furnaces. become a crooked hotel full of rumors but it's I who pays the rent for these fingered face are the tuners and I make 16 solid half-hour friendships Every evening Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. Jim and I are running down some of our buried treasures, records that have been unjustifiably overlooked in the last few months, and we want to bring them to greater light. The artist you're hearing right now is one of my buried treasures. His name is Rodriguez, and uh, it's a song called Cause from one of two albums that have been reissued in the last few months. Uh, Basically an artist who was lost in the early 70s haze out of Detroit, made two fine albums, Cold Fact and Coming from Reality, that were widely acclaimed and yet didn't sell anything. He completely disappeared for the last 30 years, basically. Was rediscovered by some listeners down in South Africa, actually toured South Africa in the mid-90s and played in front of audiences of about 5,000 people. Now a domestic label has picked up these two albums and reissued them. And Rodriguez is touring the United States for the first time since the early 70s. So at the age of 66, this guy is making a major comeback. He's the child of Mexican immigrants, grew up in that Detroit scene, began working with a couple of the Funk Brothers, uh, the famous Motown session musicians who played on all those great hits from the 60s by the likes of The Temptations and The Miracles and The Jackson 5, and especially steeped in that psychedelic soul sound that we've talked about on this show that The Temptations were so good at with Holland Dozier Holland writing all those great songs and that wah-wah guitar and those uh, psychedelic dreamscapes. Rodriguez was coming out of that tradition and working with a couple of the musicians who made those records go. And the song I'm going to play, I think, is a perfect example of the sound he was getting at. It's basically a singer-songwriter kind of coming out of that folky tradition, but melding it with uh, orchestration and psychedelic influences and obviously the rock music that he was hearing out of Detroit as well. The MC5, the Stooges, they were all contemporaries of his. So you can hear all these influences melding together in this song called Sugar Man. Many of his lyrics were socially conscious, talking about 
living in the inner city as an immigrant, as a person of color, the prejudice, the, the, the street crime, the war in Vietnam. In Sugar Man, he's basically talking as a junkie, singing the praises of his pusher, a hard-nosed street tale. The violin you're hearing, or the weird science fiction instrumentation you're hearing in this music, is basically a violin part played backwards and manipulated in the recording studio to sort of augment the eerie feel of the track. And it's perhaps Rodriguez's most famous song. It's called Sugar Man. It's from the album called Cold Fact on Sound Opinions. Sugar Man, won't you hurry? Cause I'm tired of these scenes. For a blue coin, won't you bring back all those colors to my dreams? Silver magic ships you carry, jumpers, coke, sweet Mary Jane. Sugar man, met a false friend on a Dead black hole Silver magic ships You carry Jumpers, coke Sweet Mary Jane Sugar man You're the answer That makes my questions Disappear Sugar man Cause I'm That is Rodriguez with Sugar Man on Sound Opinions, one of my buried treasures. Jim, what's your last pick? Greg, my last pick on Ladies' Night is by a self-described leotard rock duo from Los Angeles called Eagle (laughs) and Talon. What is leotard rock? I, I don't really know, but it's evocative of something, and, and that's a beginning to describe what Kim Talon and Alice Talon do. There is a little bit of uh, Exile in Guyville era Liz Fair. There is a little bit of early throwing muses when they were at their artiest and quirkiest. There is more PJ Harvey, and there's a whole lot of Sleater Kinney, just ramshackle, <laughs> riot girl, punk pop, all right? It's a neat combination, not the most original in the world, but the sheer energy that they bring to delivering it on their uh, new album, Thracian, 
Why is it named after an ancient European tribe? I, I don't know. But, <laughs> but it's, uh, it, it's killer stuff. Really arty and jagged, but at the same time propulsive. Just knocked me out when I first heard it, and now I can't get enough of it. I'm going to play a song called Ice Life by Eagle and Talon on Sound Opinions. my final buried treasure pick for this time Ice Life by Eagle and Talon you might have seen them open for Saya on uh, a tour last year love them love them to pieces you got one more for me Greg I do indeed Jim and uh, in keeping with your theme a female artist that I want to highlight that has been uh, I think unjustly overlooked the last few years uh, even though early in her career she got a lot of attention uh, not so much so lately her name is Shamika Copeland she is the daughter of renowned Texas blues guitarist Johnny Copeland, who passed away a few years ago. Shamika, as a 19-year-old prodigy, made her debut in 1999 with a record that was widely lauded as kind of the the next wave of great female blues singers in the tradition of uh, Coco Taylor and Bessie Smith and Etta James, people like that. Uh, she had that big, broad voice that uh, people loved. I mean, she, she was a, a, a classic blues belter. 
on her fifth album and first in four years, Never Going Back, that sound has evolved somewhat, and she has become a much more nuanced singer. And I think for that reason, a lot of people are overlooking this record. They want more of that brassy belting. And there's some of that on this record, but it's more subtle, more nuanced, more sophisticated in a lot of ways. The arrangements are a bit spookier. She's working with a different cast of musicians. Her first four albums were very much steeped in, in, in kind of the traditional blues setting. This one is much more about atmosphere. She's got people like Mark Rebo, who uh, played on uh, uh, another album that I referenced earlier today. Rebo's guitar is all over this one. She's playing with some of the members of Modesky, Martin, and Wood, that jazz combo. And uh, she's much more about the songs on this on this record as opposed to just about showcasing her voice. The track I'm going to play, Never Going Back to Memphis, is kind of a film noir type setting. There's a betrayal, there's murder in it, and you can hear the subtlety uh, creeping into her voice. It's ushered in by this amazing Rebo guitar solo, the second part of this song, and then she continues the narrative, and that's the section of the song I want to focus on. So here's a little bit of Never Going Back to Memphis from Shamika Copeland's new album called Never Going Back on Sound Opinions.
Never Going Back to Memphis on Sound Opinions by Shamika Copeland. Greg, I'm with you. I, I love Shamika Copeland. My dream, though, is for her to front like the dead weather, a band like that, because a voice that good deserves a setting that nasty. That's uh, maybe for the next Buried Treasure show. I don't know. Greg's pick wraps up our Buried Treasures edition this time around. She likes a strong sangaree that shakes for 12 hours at least. She's gonna get me fucked up, Bellie Bean. She's gonna get me fucked up, Bellie Bean. And teach me how to get Bellie with stage whispers like, Can everybody turn me on? I saw a girl last night called Charmaine Champagne. She was an ex so and so, not from Times Square. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and that is the Fiery Furnaces with their eighth album, I'm Going Away, a song called Charmaine Champagne. Yes, eight albums since 2003. That's a pretty good clip. That's a, like a three-decade career for some artists, <laughs> and they've done that all in the last six years. Brother-sister combo, Eleanor and Matthew Friedberger, originally out of the suburbs of Illinois, now based in Brooklyn, one of the most distinctive sounds in indie rock. They've had some stylistic detours over the years, uh, multi-part songs. They even recorded an album with their grandmother as the lead vocalist. They are idiosyncratic to a fault sometimes. Now their eighth album, is it a little bit more accessible? Is it a little bit more mainstream, a little bit more easy to get into? We're going to find out in a minute, but let's play a track from it. It's called Even in the Rain from the Fiery Furnaces on Sound Opinions. You your wrestling bands from your wrestling or a t-shirt over your suit that says it just won't stay I guess I still don't mind that you were late I guess we must have done a lot of kissing I must have known not what we were missing She followed us to the motel and I lied all the way I'll roll in the back, in the back, all the way to Lake Geneva. I let you wear the helmet, even though you never offered anyway. Even in the rain, 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 even. Still, take it from me. I know we've had our fill. Never been this calm as I wander around. Never bring harm to those that I surround. Oh, well, I keep consuming to avoid my own thoughts that tell me. Love keeping busy, love keeping busy at any old cost. But there's nothing I can say to keep my mind off of you And there's nothing I can do to keep my mind from thinking of you That is Even in the Rain by the Fiery Furnaces from the new album I'm Going Away. 
Greg, just because they're prolific doesn't mean they are infallible. In fact, I've had a lot of problems with this band, increasingly so as each record goes on. I know you are second <laughs> only to Alex Kapranos of Franz Ferdinand in being besotted by Eleanor Friedberger, okay? That's your thing. You're welcome to it. And I do like her kind of like distaff Lou Reed routine. It's kind of neat. But there's a couple things that just drive me crazy about this band, that hyper-literary assault of words that's just so precious and the overly belabored orchestrations, uh, arrangements, you know, that go from a yes guitar solo that could have been on Close to the Edge all of a sudden to this Brechtian cabaret shtick. It gives me a headache. (laughs) And although the emerging consensus in the critical blogosphere is that this is their pop record, I defy you to hum any one of these tunes, even the ones that are two and a half minutes long from beginning to end. It's impossible. It's slippery. It's annoying. It's precious. <laughs> it's it's. I it just I hate this record. Okay, this is a trash it record. You're so wrong. You're, you're just wrong. You know, the, the, this is a uh, if the, if there's a great pop record to be heard this summer. Uh, I think that Phoenix record is one, and this is the other one. I mean, I, I think there's just a nonstop cavalcade of melodies on this record. Yes, I would agree with your criticisms of some of their earlier records. They are a bit obtuse, you know, sometimes willfully so, and you're kind of going, you know, do they have to be so difficult? On this record, I think they've really channeled a lot of those excesses, cleared out some of the clutter, cut down on the tangents, and and they've made a, a record that's not quite so frantic. It's much more easy to enjoy. Yes, I can hum a half dozen of these melodies, including that song we just played. Uh, uh, it reminds me always of, like, the, the, the stage production in the film <laughs> Rushmore, but they're doing, like, Bertolt Breck Cabaret. It just, I, I just hate this stuff. I, I think there's a playfulness to it that you're completely missing. Uh, you know, it's like uh, art rock on a budget. It's not, yes, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. It's more like the Raymond Scott cartoon scores. Yes, it, you know, it can get a little frantic, but, you know, when they do it well, they do it really well. And on this record, I think they've dialed down some of that zigzaggy, let's do everything in one song that we've ever learned, and, and, and just focused on the melodies. And I think the melodies are great. I think it's a buy-it record all the way. That's an enthusiastic buy-it from Mr. Cott, a trash-it from me. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we are going to once again don the stethoscopes, and we're going to help out a needy musical patient when we play the Rock Doctors. Greg, as always, Sound Opinions was produced by our ace team of Todd Bachman, Jason Saldana, and Robin Lynn, and our fearless leader, our executive producer, the Captain Jack Sparrow, who has the keys to our buried <laughs> treasures, is Tori Southside Malatia. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 
Dibio's Ambivalence Avenue. It's kind of like walking down Reading Rainbow in the late afternoon in Torn Corduroy. Equal parts Boards of Canada, Dennis Wilson, and Fat John. Uh, so thanks for all the great suggestions, and I look forward to hearing you guys again. Bye. Hi, my name is Paul Simons with an S on the end, no relation to the big star. And I live right outside of Philadelphia. I listen on WHYY. I got to tell you, some of the stuff that you guys review and that is just accepted as great rock and roll music, to me, is just flat. And one of the prime examples of that is Jack White. When there are people running around like Jimmy Vaughn and uh, David Grissom, great musicians, writers, real, real serious people, and people who can really play a guitar, is fawning over people who do stuff that has just been done a billion times before. They're doing it a little bit different. There, there's just no, no life in it that I can see. Um, I think you're wasting a lot of time on people that don't deserve it, and the people that do deserve it don't get mentioned. Thank you very much. My name is Chris, calling from Baldwin, New York. Uh, I'm calling about the um, classic analysis of Princess Purple Rain. And y'all were just talking about when doves cry and dissecting the opening, which is you know now a classic with, with, with the heavy guitar riff and then the keyboard and then the distorted human voice and playing the song under all the talk. And it's really kind of a shame because the talk didn't leave until we were into the meat of the song, which is frankly pedestrian compared to the opening. It's a real disappointment. If you're going to talk about stuff, let us hear what you're talking about. Thanks. Bye. Guys, uh, my name's Carolyn. I'm from Grays Lake, Illinois. I was just listening to your dissection of Purple Rain. Incredible, amazing. I that was like one of my favorite albums, and I love like every Prince album there is. I own every Prince album there is, but that one is actually my favorite. And that was a really. But you're right. The movie was crappy, and every time I watched the movie subsequent to the first time I saw it, I watched it to listen to the music. Um, so anyway, um, kudos, good job. I love it. No more messages. To give us your opinion on sound opinions, call our hotline 1-888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with sound opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media.